Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is the 21st of January. It's still these beautiful, cold, chilly mornings, beautiful sunrises every morning, green, not green, the, um, the water starts to look that color, but the sky takes on colors of like oranges and reds and yellows and and then you get the top of the sky it's like such a crazy thing you can't take enough pictures but then you do it every day and you just say I just want to look at it and just enjoy it and it's unbelievable that life has so many great things going on in it and today we're going to talk about something that we do every year And we are usually aware that something's wrong, but we don't know what it is. And what happens is we start to see that our instincts get stronger every single time we encounter this. And what we are talking about is narcissism. It has become a common term. It has become a buzzword. It has become something that we're like, oh my gosh, I got taken again. And yet, what about the narcissist? What's driving them? So today we're going to talk about narcissism, but in the modern day, 2020, we're going to talk about it because tomorrow we're going to talk about it in relationships because we end up getting hurt. And the sad part is the narcissists themselves are already hurt, which is why they are hurting you. But because they are unaware of it, which is why I call it modern day, in the past we used to almost just run away from these people because they had no empathy, no emotion, and they were very, very verbally cruel but they themselves could not see it. So sometimes they look like they're encouraging you by insulting you, but they've already got you wired into pleasing them. And so you stay in this false relationship that looks like one on the outside, but isn't one, is it? So how does everybody win? That's the bigger question. How does everybody win? How do we allow maybe to see if we can get ourselves out of these situations? Because that's a win for you. But how do we get them to see who they are? It's really hard. It's really hard. And there's a reason why. Because narcissists 
are very resistant to changing their behavior. And it's only because they have such an intolerance for criticism. They cannot handle being criticized, which is the whole nuts and bolts of what they have. They learn to protect themselves pretty early on. And so they have this delusional sense of superiority. And they can only think about themselves, protecting themselves, what they need. And you are only there to serve that. And if you can't serve it, and even when you can, you will be criticized. They're hard to be understood by the average person. The average person will look at somebody who is narcissist and the narcissist will play victim. And when the narcissist plays victim, what happens? You want to help them. That's what somebody will try to do. And if they can't help them, and they start to see signs of, wow, they're not really very appreciative. Wow, they're not reciprocating. Wow, they're not really that nice. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm worrying about them more than I'm worrying about myself. Where is myself going with this person? Whether it's a friendship, a parent, a partnership, work, you start feeling like you are disappearing to support this person. And now both of you are fighting for them and nobody's fighting for you. And you feel it and you start to see it. But again, our fixer comes in and wants to fix it, wants to prove our loyalty. Yet you're dealing with somebody who's delusional when it comes to reality of who they are. They're overly occupied with themselves. They exaggerate their achievements, and they have these tactics that they use to let you know how superior they are. If they see someone they think is below them, they roll their eyes, or they like, look at that, like, look at that. And then you think you're in cahoots with them, so you're like, oh, yeah, look at how silly that is. But that's only because they're better than that. There's a man who lost his passport, he dropped it in the airport. And when he dropped it, his partner said to him, well, well, where were you before you dropped it? If you saw it just a few minutes ago, it can't be that far. Why don't you go back to where you started, the last place you saw it, and you may have dropped it there. Well, he got back to that part and he found a police officer holding his passport And he said, oh, my God, that's my passport. I just dropped it. And and he was so grateful for finding it. But when he came back, he said, oh, my God, I'm one of those people. She's like, well, what, what kind of person? He said, you know, one of those people that lose all their things. I'm used to making fun of people who do that. I can't believe I did it. And the harshness and that, that. Ripping off of the mask of insecurity all came out over dropping the passport, which is, you know, when you're in an airport, that's pretty traumatic because you need that passport. And then thanked the partner 
per se and go back and find it. But prior to that was saying, how do you know these things? I'm not going to find it. It's not here. And so the person, that's the narcissist, got away with cutting up the person before they found it. But the reward for their partner was that they came back and, and actually thanked them. I mean, realized that that person saved them. And that's the only thing they were thankful for. It's a subtlety. But if you see the criticism and reward, the normal person might say, well, you know what? They were upset. Well, you know what? And we have many excuses. I would be nervous too. But someone without narcissism who lost it would just be worried. They wouldn't come back and say things like, I used to make fun of people who do that. And now I'm one of them. Now I'm someone who loses things. And, you know, the self-criticism that comes out out loud. Where if, if someone lost it who doesn't have narcissism, they may say, wow, that was really scary. Oh, my gosh, I better keep my eye on my passport. Thanks a lot for just suggesting I go back. Because to the normal person, it would just be scary. But to the narcissist, it was a self-evaluation. Because the self is so superior that it does not do those silly things, those stupid things in their mind. They exaggerate their achievements. They have all these clever little ways to make themselves feel superior, even entitled to manipulate and exploit other people. And then they have this, they know they're doing it. The other person's trying to figure it out, but they give it to you in such small pieces that you accept this little thing thinking, oh, that's not a big deal, but then There's another thing that happens, and it kind of keeps bringing you in one step at a time. That's why, before you know it, you've gone to zero from zero to 60, and you don't know how you got there. You have to, like, literally go back and track. How did you end up serving this person? And when did you give up who you are to be with them? And how did they become more important than you? And the biggest question I have from people is, how did I allow it? If you have a parent who's a narcissist, they will pit their own kids against each other to separate them from talking about the parent without even, you know, you think that they know what they're doing and they do at some level, but for them, it's normal behavior. And that's the part that is so tricky but they will say one is better than the other. One child has said, look at your sister. She's way better than what you're doing. Look at what she achieved. What are you achieving? Oh, your sister got here on time. And they keep them in a competitive state, even though the brother and the sister may not be competitive. And then what happens is they do become competitive because they are fighting for your love down to where a sister and a brother are living together and they don't even talk to each other 
and the brother is a high achiever in sports and the mother has the brother's picture everywhere in the house and the sister realized she's not in many other pictures. So the achiever is the one that gets the attention, the grandiose, the delusion of superiority. Even though the sister quietly got straight A's and was doing really well in school. So the average person would say, well, of course, you know, he keeps getting awards and he keeps getting, but the parent didn't even understand empathy enough to realize that they were saying one child was more important than the other. One child gets talked about all the time and the other doesn't. One has pictures all over and the other doesn't. What's going on? And then the two, the children, one says, well, you get all the attention and doesn't want to be with them, feels bad, feels left out. And the one that's getting the attention is adored. These are just the little things that we see. They exaggerate their own achievements. There was a man that went to a college. It was a good college. I think it was like one of the top colleges in the country. It, I, I can't remember if it's the state college or the university of the state um, that was the bigger one. But either way, he ended up being a doctor. But his big claim to fame was that he played football at that school. Played football. And even said to his partner, isn't it sad? I would play football and I'd be on television and my father wouldn't even watch the game. Not that he didn't come alone. He didn't even watch it when it was on television. Okay, sorry. That's too bad. Your dad is gone. He can't defend himself or talk or say yes or no to it. And your mom has dementia. So we're taking this person's word, right? Later on in the relationship, you find out that he never played football at that school. So now you confront and you say, so you played football. What years did you play? Because come on, guys, there's Google now. They can't get away with as much as you would want them to. And then they said, oh, geez, are you researching me now? She said, well, yeah, because now I've been catching so many lies that they rationalized, that shrunk the responsibility or blame to the person who was actually lying. So then they make you feel crazy. It all gets turned on you. Whatever they're doing is what you're doing, and they're the innocent victim of you. The trick, double trick. This is where when the person gets out, they actually need help. Need help to regain their emotional balance. I met a woman who's an attorney, high-powered attorney, worked for the state, prosecutor for the state, who said, the people I date need two years of therapy once I leave. Think about that. 
she knew. She was smart enough to know. So it's not just men, but it's women, too. Not as many, but they exist. And today is just examples of recognition, just to get your mind understanding the language that they use. So let's go back to the football story. Oh, well, I was a walk-on. Now they went from being recruited to being a starter who was on national television whose father didn't even watch it to being a walk-on. And she said, but I didn't find your name anywhere on any roster, not even the long roster with every single member, including the cleanup crew on there. You know what she found out? That when you confront a narcissist with the truth, you are being very aggressive to them. You, are, you might as well be smacking them with a hammer on the door, just hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. Because that's how it feels for them to confront the actual reality, the actual truth. You are looked at as aggressive. You are looked at as mean. Even if you spoke in a normal tone, you were shouting. You're not that good little listener anymore. You're no longer loyal because you can see the truth. The minute the truth starts being told in a relationship with a narcissist, is going to be the beginning of the end of that relationship. Because once one partner can see that the language this person is using towards them, like, you know, I would do that. I'm just too tired to get up. Oh, I'll do that. I would go there. I just can't do that many trips. Oh, I'll go. I would love this meal. I just don't know how to cook. I'll make it. I can't really go pick up the kids today. I'll do it. And before you know it, you are doing everything. Everything. And the other person, if they just say, you look nice today, that's all they need to say. If they even say that. The real problem, though, is that narcissists have a turnover. People can only stay so long. They either stay and give themselves up completely because they understand that they're powerless. They bought into the powerlessness of who they are. They bought into being questioned for seeing the truth. They bought into being wrong. Sometimes they're aware of it, but the fight is too big to fight, so they stay. But that's more and more rare. That's why I'm saying modern-day narcissism, because now we say, now that everybody's more financially independent, people are not stuck in situations like before, they say, I don't want to do this anymore. If the narcissist is violent, They don't want anyone else to have you if they can't have you. And that's a whole different paradigm of thought. It's a different degree 
But the normal modern-day narcissism, it's in the language and in the barriers, the emotional barriers that they put on you, that you can feel this, but you can't feel that. You can see this, but I don't want you to see that I'm lying. And what happens is they start to disrespect you for believing them, which is the double whammy, because here you are trying to be loyal and trying to be loving and trying to be nice and trying to be accommodating. And they're thinking, what an idiot, they're listening to me and I'm not worth anything. But I have to keep my cover on. I have to be superior. I have to say I played on the football team and my father didn't even watch the games when they never were even on the team itself. But they're so blind to the fact of their their nature that they don't even think they will get caught. And if they do, they will blame you for checking. The fact that they weren't on the team no longer matters. The fact that you checked it means you don't trust this person blindly. It's a delusion from reality. It's one of those antisocial features that looks very, very social. There's a lot of paranoia. Well, you know, people don't really do what they say they do. Big signs that they don't do what they say they do. They're egocentric in a very aggressive way. If anybody does anything to them, they are being aggressive. If you tell them the truth, that is the most aggressive, angry, fighting reaction that you will get. Because the truth is like they're, they're anti, what is it, when the garlic to the vampire, right? or the daylight to the vampire, they cannot see it because they live in a world. And these are some of the symptoms where they're, they're absent of things like a conscience, things like empathy. And the only thing that seems to really scare all of them is when a friend dies, they always feel very bad. Because there's something in them that's really scared to die. It's like the epitome of their fears. And they will overdo the sadness on losing someone. And you think, wow, how compassionate they are. But it's, it's their deepest fear. They always look good. They always look put together. Every last detail. They are experts. And they love being adored, which drives that. They spend a lot of time focused on their appearance. They are extremely charming up front. And what happens to us is that we want to be swept off our feet. Whether it's a friendship, whether it's the dream job, whatever fantasy we have, They come in and they just have all the answers. In the beginning, they show no signs of narcissism. The first seven encounters are totally void of narcissist traits. But that's one of the warning signs. If it feels too good to be true, it is too good to be true. 
they may start with being very excited about the things you tell them because that makes them look good. I have my own company. I have this. I have that. Oh, wow. Because they look at you as one of their resources and someone who makes them look good. You're basically selling your life's work to this person for them to own it and make them look good. So if you make a mistake or things fall, they'll be like, well, I wonder how long that will last. Oh, I hope you keep your business when you never thought you wouldn't. They start adding seeds of doubt because that way they keep you looking for their approval when it comes to things that they have nothing to do with in your life prior to meeting you. And you were doing fine before you met them. So why? If you can feel all these things, because I am sure, and I'm sure even with myself, that every time I met a narcissist, I felt like the luckiest person in the world in the beginning. I had no idea what was coming. They were too good to be true, but I was too young to know. By the time we are compromised in the situation, whether we're working with somebody, usually with parents, we, have, we don't even know any different or with a partner we meet, or even a friendship, which happens also. It's easier to leave the friendships, though, so people don't get so deep in. They're like, wow, that person's really controlling. Wow, that person, you know, wants me to do this and that, and I just can't keep up with their demands. But if it's a partner, and everybody knows you guys are together, you're dropping down to now we've broken up and you have to say why and you have to say this person isn't good and you have to go through the entire gamut of a breakup. But what hole are they filling in you? Why did they look good to you? How could you not know that if something is too good to be true? that it isn't because in the beginning they are very humble very humble before they are aggressive they listen to you before they throw out how grand and great they are they talk to you about how good they've been to all their past partners and how bad their past partners were because now they're positioning you, if you accept that, to exploit you. But as you grow, you start to say, wow, if they're talking about them that way, they will be talking about me that way one day. You start to understand why people left them. All the stories they told you become very true. They're very honest in the beginning, almost to the point of, you know, this not just humbleness, but belittlement to themselves. It's like they're, they're this victim and this poor person. And then you think, wow, they're telling me all this stuff. They're so honest. And they are. It's like that's part of the syndrome. So you get swept in like, wow, I don't want that to happen to them anymore. They're such a good person, those bad people. They were not good to them. Yet the covert narcissist 
they come in, they slide in on victimhood. They talk about neglect or someone belittling them. They look very sensitive, a little bit anxious. They have delusions of persecution that somebody's after them, towards them. They never got a break in life. And there you are. You're going to save the day. But you have no idea what's coming. And probably about three months into the relationship, you start seeing inconsistencies in stories. But now you're already tied into the loyalty. You're already tied into making a change. You are not going to give up. You are going to make this work. They're good looking. They present well. But wait a minute. I don't see my friends anymore. Oh, wait a minute. I'm only in their life, not in mine. But wait a minute. My boss keeps undermining me. What's going on? And the questions start. And then when you approach them, you get the pushback. You get the rationalization. You get the minimizing. You get blamed. Everything is because of you. That's bad, and everything that's good is them. Signs. If somebody's really nice to you, if somebody puffs you up and listens to you, don't jump into bed with them right away. They tend to go really fast. Give yourself time to get to that. You deserve the time to see who you are sleeping with, who you are living with, who you are working with. It's a huge leap. And tomorrow we're going to talk about narcissism in relationships on Relationship Wednesday. I can't believe I'm already out of time. We can talk about this for weeks on end. We will talk about it some more tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.